All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Forgot to think about what I would say for this intro time. Mississippi State week time? Hey, it's not 90 degrees time. Maybe the Vols will win a game time. Whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning out there. Unless, of course, it's Thursday afternoon or evening or Friday morning, afternoon, evening, or Saturday morning. Well, I suppose if it's after the game. But it, why would you listen to a, a a game preview podcast after the game? I don't really know. Probably, doesn't make any sense. Probably no reason. Unless you just really miss hearing these sexy voices. Which is possible. Which is possible. Patrick's wife says no. Ooh, that's a good... Mm. She likes mine. Dynamite drop in. She likes my voice. I really like starting this podcast by being reminded that one of my respected, esteemed, dear colleagues uh, has a wife who does not like the way that I sound when I speak. That's okay. It's not just you. Hey, for the record, for the re- for, for the record, she's an incredibly sweet woman, and I and she I, can't ever hear Grant, so we and, all know who that leaves. And, yep. and I'll, I'll I'll take that criticism. Here and we go. I'll take it in stride, and here we go, guys. Tennessee. Uh, we we know this already. Tennessee one and four, Tennessee zero oh and two in SEC play, I believe, heading into Saturday's nooner against Mississippi State at Neyland Stadium. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mississippi State Bulldogs in the second segment because that team is drastically different, depending on which players uh, has a lot of suspended players and whether they can play or can't play in that game. I think they'll play in this game. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. For now, we're going to talk a little bit about. About Tennessee here in the first segment. Uh, we know Tennessee is, I would say, aside from maybe the Emmett Gooden situation and the and the the Baylor Buchanan situation, I, I think it's fair to say Tennessee's probably more banged up than injured at the moment. Uh, Tennessee's kind of got a lot of the the bumps and bruises that go along with playing football during the season at the SEC level. These guys are beat up, but it looks to me, anyways, guys like physically going into this game. Um, things could be worse. It, it looks like, and, and again, something could happen in practice the, the past couple, the last couple of days of the week, and things can change. We all know that. Um, but I, I think, I think, looking at this situation, um, I think Tennessee's more okay than it's not from a health standpoint. Is that probably fair to say? Yeah, I think it. I, I think it's mainly fair to say they're a little bit banged up. They got some guys dealing with a little little nagging injuries, which a lot of players are that, that you don't hear about this time of year. It's just kind of the wear and tear of the season. Get some bumps and bruises and things along the way, but um, yeah, we uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt said Wednesday that Warren Burrell, Aubrey Solomon would be expected to be available. Burrell's coming off his uh, ankle injury. Solomon's playing through a couple things. Uh, saw both of them on Tuesday at practice. Looked like they were going through drills a little bit. Uh, yeah, so Solomon showed some toughness there because he's got a shoulder and a knee bothering him. Yeah, and uh, Dar- uh, Darnell Wright, Karon Calvert, both a couple guys that I think I think on one at that that last minute drive. I think Tennessee had like three guy, three or four offensive linemen. I think it was three hobble off the field at one point. So, uh, but but Wright and Calvert look fine. Um, and then Mauer too is another guy. I don't know if he was, he had his like rib protector exposed at practice on Tuesday. I don't know if that was a fashion statement or if he was like, hey, my ribs are okay from that big hit he took. But he he seemed fine. So, 
Uh, that, was, and, that was a hell of a hit. And, and it looks like Jameer Johnson's. I don't know if he's going to play this week, but he's probably not far away. We saw him do some stuff on Tuesday. Most That was the most active he'd been in a couple weeks, so he might be close to uh, to getting back on the field. And I think the one kind of question mark there would be Riley Lockley. You're a guy who doesn't start but but does play a, a lot. And occasionally, well, he started last week. He does occasionally start. Uh, he's a guy who I'm not sure still knows his middle name right now after the, the shot he took last week. I mean, he, he took a pretty nasty hit. Uh, Maurer took the, the – took a really nasty hit too but his came right to the midsection so that's kind of a normal thing uh locklear looked a little pruitt Pruitt didn't want to say the magic c word uh there's a magic c word in life that you don't want to say and and then there's a different magic c word there's a different magic c word that coaches don't like using which is a a different word and that one's concussion we need to put graphic uh explicit warning on this one if we're gonna start talking about the c word but no i I like how pruitt on monday was like i don't want to say he has a concussion and then he says the the pruitt ease for he has a concussion which is he got his bell wrong he got his bell wrong a little bit <laughs> that's there how, that's how Pruitt diagnoses a concussion he says this guy got his bell wrong uh and he said Wednesday that that Locklear was still being evaluated still in the protocol so uh, I assume he's going to be in the, in the concussion protocol and as we are recording this I would be very surprised if probably Locklear is is going to be playing today. yeah that would require a level of improvement uh, that that would be pretty rapid when, when you consider the way things normally go with that protocol. That would that would take that would take quite the change uh, in a short period of time for him to get out there. But it looks like they're okay from that standpoint. They're banged up, and again, knock on wood, th- this has been uh, to this point, anyways, not a terrible season for Tennessee from that standpoint. Most of the departures have been more. Uh, off-field related. They were guys who wanted to go to the portal. They were guys who got in trouble, a couple of them off the field. There have been some different issues there that have made depth on this team a real question mark, but uh, to this point anyways, they, they have not gotten guys banged up. I mean, they've gotten guys banged up but not hurt, so that's that's a big thing going into to this game. Because against Mississippi State, guys, th- this, is a, this is a game that will be tough for Tennessee. There will be some problematic matchups for Tennessee in this game, uh, but this is a game where, where Tennessee can can have some success, should be able to, so it's important. One interesting position note that we have noted uh, throughout this week, you know, it's no, there's no question that when you look at the depth chart where it was in camp and the depth chart where it is now, inside linebacker has been the place on Tennessee's roster that's just been ravaged. There have been guys, uh, a couple of them have left the program. One of them uh, was forced to leave the program. Uh, they're down about three or four guys there. And, and once you get past Batuli and, and Tooto, who are both really good players, uh, there's a big drop-off there below that. And, and Tennessee, we said last week that the thing with Jeremy Banks happened so late in the week that they weren't going to be able to do anything about that. Well, they did have, uh, you know, an, a sat a Sunday night, uh, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They'll have time to get a contingency plan ready, and it looks like one of the guys we suspected is going to be the guy who can be an emergency guy over there. Yeah, we saw uh, on Tuesday, Kavaris Crouch was working with the inside linebackers. Uh, not really that big of a a move for him because that's where he practiced in the spring, and that's where he was actually at all the, all during the, the summer. Um, the question that I still have is, is how is this going to affect his role on Saturdays? Yes. Um, are they going to sacrifice him playing outside linebacker in games to get him ready to play in case he's needed to play 40 snaps at inside linebacker because something happens to Daniel Batuli or Henry Toa Toa? So uh, that's what I don't I, I don't know that we know that yet. Um, Pruitt said Wednesday that they kind of view Crouch as a guy who can play all of those positions. Four for four. They like four for uh, four guys. And the way he described it is if, if you have a recruiting class where you sign four linebackers, you would want two of them that can play all of them, and then one of each kind of pigeonholed there a little bit. So, uh, But they think Crouch can play 
all four they've they've lined him up in different methods and different spots around the defense they've lined him up as uh, as a stand-up edge guy they've dropped him into coverage uh they've played him as a with his hand in the ground as like a more traditional defensive end um and even his pressure that he got against georgia he was lined up pretty much right behind the nose tackle and looped around so uh he's a guy that they use in different uh in, in a lot of different ways and so it's just a I think for him it's going to be sort of a week-to-week thing of, of how, how do they get him involved in the game plan uh, and how do they kind of split his time up between preparing to uh, play as an outside linebacker or play in sub-packages or versus playing, you know, in case he has to play a, a large uh, a, a large workload at inside linebacker in case anything happens to those two starters. Because let's be real, Tennessee's short on depth He would be their positions. third guy right now, you have to feel. Yeah. At, at both spots, though, I, mean, I don't it, think they trust JJ Peterson just yet. No, and and that's that's a problem. So yeah, any injury that happens at really either position, inside or outside linebacker, might result in Crouch playing a, a big role. So yeah, I, I I think you've got to view him as a guy who could play either spot now. And the fact that Jeremy Pruitt, you know, again reminded everyone that Crouch is a in their in their eyes a four for four guy, I, I think is a, a a strong hint that Tennessee clearly has him in its plans at both positions there and. You know, we'll we'll see where he fits in Saturday, but yeah, they they could use a guy there to help for depth purposes. Give those uh, give those main two linebackers Toto and Batuli some some rest here and there, and uh, if he can help them at all at inside linebacker, they they clearly clearly need it in a bad way. Before we step away for break, I will note that that it looks like I don't know if I would call this a position change just yet, but but I think it's interesting to note that that Tennessee is is maybe looking at a couple different things at wide receiver since since this situation is pretty clear to everyone that that Callaway and Palmer are such important parts of this team and they'll be gone next year so uh, I think John Jennings yeah, I'm sorry yeah I'm sorry Jennings you know I guess Palmer could leave but I don't know why he would because he's had a, a, a tough tar- tough start to the season not necessarily his fault uh, he just hadn't gotten enough chances to make plays but Callaway and Jennings as Pat noted will be gone next season so Tennessee's looking at some maybe some different things there uh, they're developing some youngsters you know Tillman Keaton those kinds of guys um, but it looks like um this could have been just a one-time thing, but Princeton Fant was working with Tennessee's wide receivers this week, and he's a guy who initially signed to play that position. He's played everywhere else, but, but now maybe he, he might get a little bit of look there too. Uh, it's unfortunate because I'd like to see the kids settle in somewhere and be able to, to, to develop, but he might just be that kind of jack-of-all-trades guy, and they might be doing some stuff with some veterans there to, to, to buy a year here or there. Uh, yeah, are, are we saying that? Are we saying that aloud? No, I think we're. we're <laughs> I think we can mention the possibility. Yes, uh, I, I don't know that I have not been told this, but Brandon Johnson did not play against Jordy. He's played in four games this season. He has a red shirt available, uh, and the fact that uh, late in the game they were playing uh, Isaiah Montgomery, who I believe is a freshman walk on, mm-hmm. um, was getting but some who's snaps. not a bad football player. No, he's made some. Uh, he made a couple of nice one handed catches in some practices recently. Um, the fact that that those guys played. Um, and that, and maybe fan is another possible, another kind of reaction to that. Yeah, suggests that there's a possibility that Brandon Johnson might be taking a year and coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, of course, but he, I don't know he, that for he, a fact. He, yet, he, could, so. he, he could be dinged up. I mean, it could be yeah. any number of things, you know. But it looks to me like, and that is something that I thought about in preseason camp. Because, Here we go. No, can I can I say this real quick before new? we go to break? No. Hashtag West New. I brought this up in camp. It did get laughed away. It did get laughed away, but. Uh, I think it's something that when you start looking at roster management, uh, that would be a nice 
he would be a nice guy to plug into the mix next year when you're losing those top two guys. Him, if you put him and, and Palmer and you know Keaton and you know uh, D'Angelo Gibbs, all of a sudden that receiver group starts to look a lot better. It buys you another year maybe to have to load up on receivers because you've got so many other needs in the 2020 recruiting class that I don't know if you can afford to sign four or five or you know, five receivers. Certainly, it might be tough. And again, we don't know this is happening. It's just something that maybe file away in the back of the head a little bit. We did a red chart watch on the side earlier this week. Did you mention that, Ryan? A what? <laughs> you know, the, the main thing I was going to mention. We mentioned that we, you, we do a red shirt watch where we, we count how many oh, yes. because of the four rules. Yes, yes. Of, no, four game four rules. Four game rule. I don't know if you mentioned it. I don't know if you mentioned that. I mean, we, the, so sometimes Tennessee's petition and patient report has been a little it's spotty. Yeah, and that's one problem, yeah. But it, it is it is interesting because, I mean, you saw so you saw Tim Jordan play a lot in Saturday's game, but it was only his fourth game this season. So he, you know, he's a guy that I didn't realize Jackson Lampley got in. Yeah, Jackson Lampley in got into the game. I, they've played. Two. They've now played all but one of the freshmen. Uh, Chris Aparogane got into the game Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, so Be- and Beasley play. Aaron Beasley, Beasley played on special teams. Yep. So is uh, who's is Jackson Lowe? Just Jackson Lowe, the tight end, is the only freshman who has yet to appear in a game. I'm starting to think Aparogane is going to be a guy who plays the final four games of the season. Well, that to I hope me, they don't play in the final four. It has to be the final three now. Well, the yeah, that's true. The but the offensive line final getting, three. There you go. The offensive line getting banged up throughout the season is another thing that might naturally lead to that. So yeah, that's probably not a bad theory. He's yeah. a guy they really like. Yeah, and I think he's a guy who, like a lot of offensive linemen, their fifth year can look a lot physically different from their fourth year in college. So if you can redshirt them, uh, unless you're talking about a guy who's going to be a three for three and then go to the league, most guys develop uh, later on physically at that position. So if they could you know, kind of play him a little bit, but keep him within that four-game window to, to then have him for an extra year going forward. I think that's something that could help this team. I do think the staff will be much more cognizant and much more aware of how they uh, play with this this rule than the previous staff was. Who just burned a couple of guys. Yes, uh, for, 2017 was for, a travesty. For very point. Kevon Bennett, finish. Malik Ray. But, you know, when you're uh, – when you're Marcus put, Tatum, too, for that matter. When, when you're put in a position that, that your job's on the line, these are things that – you cut corners. These are things you do. Very true. Uh, we're going to step away, guys. We're going to pay some bills. We're going to listen to some products, some services, some ads, uh, in-house ads, all those other good things. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be right back here in just one second to talk a little bit about Mississippi State and uh, former Tennessee defensive coordinator uh, Bob Shoopdog. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and, and services and ads you either did or did not hear <laughs> just a second say, ago. Or it could be hashtag no ads. Well, depending on <laughs> depending on which apparently what service you're listening to or, you know, there are there have been second, maybe you would call it a technical snafu. I don't know what you would call it, but there have been a couple of times where uh, you have. This is the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by that. That dead air that we just had <laughs> brought 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 to you by brought to you by white silence, noise silence Bra- brought to you by the beautiful sound of white noise enjoy your sleep uh, put put our ad breaks on during your uh, when you're trying to put the kid to, to bed at night and that white noise will, will will send him or her gracefully into the night so guys uh, we teased this we're going to talk about this Mississippi State is a team that is having a pretty interesting year uh, I would say under second year coach Joe Moorhead. Um, 
you know, Tennessee hadn't played Mississippi State, and it seems like for freaking ever, and that's just one. It's been seven years. It's one thing that happens when you split up the East and the West and you you add teams to your conference and you have the schedule they have. You're going to go years without seeing certain teams, and, and Tennessee is uh, – Mississippi State's one of those teams, and Tennessee's just not going to play that often, but this is one of those seasons, and it's been an interesting one because for those who don't know – who don't pay attention to a lot to the SEC West, Mississippi State had one of the best defenses in college football last season, just an unbelievable defense. Three first-round picks. With a whole bunch of first and second and third-round draft picks, just a bunch of really good football players. A lot of them, though, are, are now gone. So Bob Shoup is in a situation that he was in sometimes at Tennessee, uh, which was a transition situation. And what's made that even worse is that going into this season, Mississippi State had a ton of guys suspended um, for – an academic situation, um, but they were able to get away with doing a really interesting thing, which is a bunch of these guys were going to be suspended for X amount of games, but it could be at any point during the season. So what this means is something that's hilariously stupid. Mississippi state gets to play guys in certain games and not others. And they don't have to say that until about an hour before the game. So basically what Mississippi state has done, I think it's a dumb rule. But if I was given that situation, that's what I would do. And I would do exactly what Mississippi State has done so far, which is that games that look like probable losses or probable wins, they go ahead and sit those guys then. But true toss-up games, the ones right there in the middle, uh, so far Kentucky, I think Tennessee will be one now. Obviously, uh, Ole Miss will be one for those guys. That's when these guys are going to play. So I imagine that if you watch a bunch of Mississippi State cut-ups because you're one of those teams or one of those fans that just wants to know everything going into a game – I would pay more attention to the Mississippi State-Kentucky game because that, to me, is the Mississippi State team that's going to be on the field against Tennessee. And Mississippi State's offense looks about the same no matter who's out there. They're not as affected by the suspensions. But Mississippi State on special teams and defense looks a lot different when some of those guys are not out there. And I think they'll be out there in that game. For instance, uh, one of the linebackers, um, you know, the uh, Willie Gay, he, he had a – um, a pick six. Uh, he's a really good linebacker. Had a pick six against Kentucky. Um, it's done a lot of good things. And he's a guy who uh, has to miss some games because of that academic stuff. But he's out there, I think, on Saturday. And, and I think this is a, a a pretty good matchup for Tennessee. I don't think it's a, a terrible matchup. I think it's a tough matchup. But this is a game that Tennessee has a chance to win. Should be, right? Uh, it should be. But again, not <clears throat> I'm not convinced yet. Tennessee has. Oh God, no! I don't. I'm I don't, probably. Not. I don't know. I don't think any of us are. I'm probably not going to pick Tennessee to win this game. Um, Spoiler. Well, I might change my mind. It's still some time. Spoiler. Also, you've, you've changed your mind once or twice. Teaser. What are you telling? What are you? What are you saying, Ryan? I'm saying. I'm uh, saying. Sometimes you're you're a little more negative, and then you talk yourself into I, maybe thinking positively. Are you Tennessee. being critical of a coworker right now, Ryan? I would never. We are on the same team here. Um. Yeah. I just. I. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm just not convinced. Um. Mississippi State, I think, has a better roster. I know a lot of people point mm-hmm. to who they lost, but I still think they have a better roster than Tennessee, and I think they have a better roster than a lot of people think they do. Uh, and a lot of Tennessee fans, this is, again, as, as you pointed out, first time they've played in seven years, so they're not going to be paying attention as much attention to what Mississippi State's been doing. Mullen built a pretty good or, roster. Or what, they, or what they've been doing you know, in terms of sending guys to the NFL, and they're not thinking about that because uh, they don't ever really – you know, they don't really consider them a factor. You, you consider the teams in the division – the Georgias, Floridas, South Carolinas, uh, Kentuckys of the world, uh, plus Alabama, um, you know, and, and maybe Auburn because Tennessee and Auburn seem to battle for a lot of recruits. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a team that's got an established program that's just kind of a, under a new leadership. But they've got a lot of guys that have played a lot of football, a lot of experience, a lot of big guys. 
Uh, they've got one of the best kind of running backs, uh, one of the best running backs in, in the SEC that no one really, I think, knows about, Kylan Hill. He is explosive. I think he's top 10 nationally and and uh, leads the SEC in rushing. That dude's a problem. So, he, was, he was a big-time prospect, too, coming out. So, I mean, he, you know, and you, and you got to uh, – both those quarterbacks can run a little bit. Tommy Stevens, Garrett Schrader, who has a you mean fantastic I, neck, neck beard. Uh, I, I nicknamed him Amish Cutler, and that has to stick because he's, I'm telling you, if Jay Cutler were Amish, that's exactly what he would look he's like. He's the guy who went flying through the air against Kansas State trying to – he trying to high jump his way to a, a fourth and sixteen conversion. Big kid, late in that big, game. he's a big kid too. Um, but yeah, you just you don't know you don't know which Mississippi State you're going to get because you know they they looked really good against Kentucky as you mentioned, West, but they lost to Kansas State, who's probably just average at best. Um, and then they the, went to the Auburn very definition and, of an average football program is Kansas State. Like that's like the if you talk about like a replacement level player, that Kansas State is the replacement level program. They're always just okay. And They're they went right. and they went to Starkville and won after Mississippi State beat them pretty good last year. Um, so. Uh, and then they went to Auburn and got trucked. So I, which one is going to show up? They're coming off an open date. Um, what are they going to do at quarterback? Are they going to kind of yo-yo those guys? Mm-hmm. Is Schrader going to play the whole way? Are they going to go to Stevens, who started the season as a starter, and then got a little banged up? Defensively, they're still pretty good. they got some good players. They have a really good cornerback in Cameron Dancer, who's going to be an NFL guy. Yep. There's some other potential NFL prospects on that team. And, and Bob I, Shoup. I, I like both their freshman corners, by the way. And you mentioned Bob Shoup earlier, and I, I don't know. I'd have to go and, and look, but I don't know that a lot of these guys that are going to be playing for Tennessee's offense were even here when he was here. I mean, Ty Chandler's one of them. Jerry Gantano would be, but he's not going to start, obviously. He knows those wide receivers well, but uh, there's, Trey, a lot of, there's a lot of new personnel. From, Trey from, Smith, Lockley, or some of those guys. Yeah, there's a lot of personnel, though, from two years ago that he's not going to know, but – um, he, he's going to see two freshman tackles and a freshman quarterback and, and probably bring a lot of guys. And his own son also. Well, yeah. And everyone know. probably wonders if his son's given him the inside scoop on these guys over the year, over the past year and a half. Theo, Theo Jackson's one of Jay Shoop's best friends and was like, I'm not getting in that, man. He, I'm not going to tell a guy he can't talk to his pops, man. I'm not going to do that. I would think there's an unwritten rule there that you don't do that. And I think Shoop's a pretty classy dude. I don't think he would do anything like well, that. And, and, I, and I don't think Jeremy Pruitt thinks he would do anything like that either. We've seen this before, too. Like, you know, Zach Jancic was on Tennessee's roster when his dad was on Kentucky's staff. And, you know, it, these things happen. So it's nothing to really talk about or worry about, I think. No, I, I think that, that there are things about this matchup that I, I do like for Tennessee. Uh, I, I think State does have a, a couple of good defensive backs, but um, other than, you know, the one stud, a lot of them are younger guys. And, and I think this is a situation where Tennessee's matchups uh, with the wide receivers and tight ends are going to be pretty good uh, against State. The, the entire thing for me is it comes down to what you could say quarterback, what you could say always comes down to in games. It's quarterbacks. Does Brian Maurer go out there assuming he's a starter, which he should be, and does he go out there and play well? And if he does, uh, can he make some big plays without making big mistakes that that could come into play in a close game? And can Tennessee contain Mississippi State on the ground? State has some big receivers who are guys that can go downfield and kind of do that old dually thing, pick peanuts off the top of your head down. They got some big guys who can do that. Um, but you want to make State beat you th- through the air. You do not – if you let Mississippi State – run a lot of that RPO stuff and give them all that that running room and you give Hill and Schrader and those guys room to run, uh, they're going to be in a lot of third and shorts. They're going to be frustrating you all day long, uh, and they're going to make plays and they're going to beat you. If you can contain them on the ground and make them throw the ball, I think you got a better chance. That that's And, again, I don't think any of us are experts on Mississippi State because this is not a team that any of us have seen a ton recently. Uh, but I, I think we've seen enough to know that – you'd rather Mississippi State throw the ball against you than run it. 
Yeah, and, and we've seen you know Tennessee's past two opponents have they, they've kind of had the to pick their poison defensively. The Vols have in terms of okay, when do you pressure versus when do you try to sit back and play coverage and say if you're gonna we'll give up a bunch of maybe ten to fifteen yard plays, but we're not gonna give up the big home run. We're not gonna give up something cheap. This might be a game where you need to be a little bit more aggressive, especially if you're playing a, a freshman quarterback and uh, in Schrader. You, you might need to be a little bit more, um, you know, blitz heavy. We'll bring a little bit more pressure um, because that's you, you want to make him and you want to make these receivers who kind of struggled last year. I mean, Mississippi State put up had some good numbers when they had Nick Fitzgerald and some of these guys, but uh, in the games against the good defenses, they really struggled. I'm not I'm not saying Tennessee's is on the same level as some of those defenses from last season, but Certainly, you would think if you're if you're Tennessee, you're thinking that your defensive backs can hold up better against Mississippi State's wide receivers than they would against Florida and Georgia's wide receivers. Who uh, Florida's got probably one of the best receiving cores in the league. That's not Alabama, who's on another planet. Yes, um, Bama and, 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 and Georgia's Georgia's is underrated. I mean, they got some big physical receivers. They got some long, lanky guys and and uh, some veterans. The Bulldogs have, and they have a quarterback that could make probably any receiving any receiving core look good. So. Uh, but if you're Tennessee, I think this is the game where you need to to, to try to put the game uh, and, and see if you're if you're you're, you're going to be more willing to let your secondary see if they can hold up against this group than maybe say Georgia or Florida. And one other thing that I'm going to be looking at before we go to break here that, that's going to be a huge huge difference in this game to me is whether Aubrey Solomon's able to play and whether he's able to play pretty well because if Aubrey Solomon plays, Tennessee is a lot better a lot better against the run. And um, we're going to get a, a teaser question. Uh, I'm going to tease a question I know we're going to get later. Um, but the, the bottom line is Mississippi State has a, an enormous, enormous offensive line with a lot, of, a, a lot of veterans on it. So Tennessee needs to play pretty well up front. Tennessee needs um, guys like Batuli and Toho to, to be ready to play and, and to be stout against the run. Tennessee needs Nigel Warrior to get in there and add an extra hat and, and help them against the run. Uh, they're they're going to do a, a lot of um, – they're going to have a lot of things to, to worry about with this with this matchup. But if you can keep them contained, then I think you, you've you got a chance. Are there any other matchups in this game, guys, that you think are pretty interesting before we go to break? I I, I think, it, again, to me, I think any game Tennessee plays in the near future, I think, comes down to whether their offense can put up points. And, and I think Mississippi State's defense is a little bit vulnerable. You know, they've, they've not gotten off to a tremendous start statistically. They obviously lost a ton of players from a year ago. Uh, guys that are in the NFL, guys that were early NFL draft picks, so that it's natural they're going to take a step back. But they're they're not dominant by any means on that side of the ball right now. So it's at least a friendly matchup on paper for for Brian Mauer to maybe have a chance to build on what he did against Georgia. You know, it's just going to can Tennessee's defense give them some help? But if this is a game where Tennessee needs to score twenty four or twenty seven points to win it, I think they're at least capable of doing it against a team like Mississippi State. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be a 30-point game, but I think if either team scores 30, that will win the game, probably. I would, I would agree with that right probably. now. Probably. I mean, that, that's what it looks like to me, of course. You know, how many times do we say that and it ends up being 44 to 41 or something like that? You never, you never really know in this wide-open era of football. But I do think that, that now that there's a full game or mostly a full game's worth of film uh, against uh, of Brian Maurer, uh, I think Bob Shoup's a smart enough defensive coordinator to go in there and draw up some stuff that's going to give him some problems. Oh, yeah. So, you know, he's going to come after him. Bob Shoup, we know he's not going to sit back. You know, he, he would rather kind of go after you if he can. Uh, and he's got some – it's his second year there. A lot of these players that he knows, um, they're going to be able to, to, to have some wrinkles in there for Tennessee because this is a swing game for Tennessee season. 
Um, and this is also a swing game in Mississippi State season. So this yeah. is a swing game for both teams. It's a big game for both teams. Which is why those suspended guys are totally playing. Th- they have to. Like uh, yeah. To me, I, I think you, you normally have to go into every game thinking you're going to see an opponent's best. I think if you're Tennessee, you have to assume yeah. that the state's going to. Because even the guys who cover that team, you know, who do we have a great Mississippi State site in our network. A lot of other people cover state pretty well. And they've all said, yeah, they, they expect these guys to, to, to play this week. So. And, and Tennessee, you know, again, you said it's, it's a big opportunity for Tennessee. I don't think this is the end of the season by any means if they lose this game but if it's kind of the last stand if you're trying to make a bowl game if Tennessee wins this game a bowl game I think is back on the table because you still got four winnable games to me in South Carolina UAB Kentucky and Vanderbilt if you lose this game the math is it's pretty tough to come up with six wins on on the schedule now if you lose this one yeah basically if you lose this game you're on inside straight draw for the rest of the for the rest of the season, if any of y'all play cards out there. So oh, yeah. that, that's what that, that's what position they'll be in if that happens. Guys, we're going to step away really quickly. We're going to go uh, maybe bring you an ad. Well, we'll see. Uh, I think probably, <laughs> but at this point. Um, no promises. I, I don't claim to be, uh, you know, Tom Hanks on Apollo 13 here. I don't know if I can steer this thing back in. But if I can, uh, we'll have some breaks and, and we'll come back. And uh, regardless, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit of uh, your questions. So we're going to get to reader questions as we usually do on Thursdays. Hashtag uh... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker alongside Patrick Bryan and Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning or afternoon or evening or Friday morning, afternoon, evening, or Saturday morning out there wherever you are listening to this, whatever you're doing, we're happy that you're spending time with us. And and uh, I think you're probably happy that you're spending time with us, if we're being honest, right? Why wouldn't you be? I'm not happy to be spending time with you, do <laughs> Listen, Pat, I'm chopping on with you this week. You need to you need to get on board with this. I'm chopping on with you this week. Now, well, next you, week... You might not be chopping on very long, if, depending on what happens shortly after we... Yeah, teaser, we normally try to record this a little bit... Um, like more on Wednesday night for the Thursday morning. We're doing it in the afternoon this week for scheduling reasons, so we don't know what happened in the Braves-Cardinals game. But I'm going to assume that the Braves won because I hate the Cardinals so much, and I can't pretend to live... Oh, there's the curse. Congratulations, Ryan. There has been... Good luck against the Dodgers. There's been one one bad Cardinals... I prefer the Nationals. There has been one one slaw Cardinals team that, that won a World Series in my lifetime, and this would be the second time it happened. It can't happen. It just can't happen. And, and things are lining up so much for them that it's making me sick to think about. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to pretend that that didn't happen, and I'm going to go on with my life, and I'm going to get to y'all's questions. First question, as always, I don't know how he does it. Does well, it? to be fair, the first question was, am I first from D.C. Rocky Top? <laughs> well, yeah. And, and he was first. Well, to answer your question, yes, you, you were first. <laughs> uh, but but right there and behind him, and it was a photo finish, uh, was Hane 62 with the what is the average age of the offensive line of Mississippi State. Now, I can't promise you that I've done 100% research on this. However, however... You came better prepared? I have done some, and I got to tell you, uh, not good news, Vols, not good news. Uh, Across the line, left to right, I believe State's going to go fifth-year senior, fourth-year junior, fifth-year senior, fourth-year junior, fourth-year junior. 
And these are all some large, large mammals. What's, What's the weights across the front? <laughs> What's the weight? The weights across the front. I do not know that they have a two hundred pounder in the mix. Uh, the, a two hundred pounder uh, under three hundred. Yeah, I don't. I think they don't have a. Uh, I don't think they have any two hundred pounders in the mix. I think they've got. Um, they're they're pretty big across the board. The biggest one, uh, Phillips, I believe, is six five three forty five. The left tackle. Oh, that's, that's that's quite big. There's a that's George, a lot of man. George's offensive line. I think the the light quote unquote lightest guy was Cade Mays at a uh, a a thin three hundred eighteen pounds. That's absurd. Yeah, I mean, when you go across the board with their line, there you you see a lot of uh, you you see a lot of big guys. There are some some big boys there. You see your three forty five, three thirty five, three twenty five, three oh five. There's some some big boys there. So yeah, Daryl Williams, the uh, center, six three, three ten. So he's a good player. There, there's a, and Tyre Phillips is a good player too. They, they've got some 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 good guys there up front. So that we actually have something resembling an answer there. Hey uh, Wes, for I'll, you. I'll help you with this next one. True Achilles. Save us a few seconds on the pronunciation of that one. I don't. Since that bothers Patrick. I don't know that I care what your opinion is on the way that I pronounce words. However, uh, he did break a cardinal rule, which is one question per post. But we will uh, we will let it Rapid go. Rapid fire. We will let we will let it go, and we'll answer these questions. One: How is the recruiting class going as far as members already committed? Any of them wavering? Or are they pretty solid still? That's you, Ryan. Pretty solid still. Uh, still some guys waiting to see how the rest of the season goes, but no one. No one on the verge of jumping ship right now. You know, if Tennessee goes two and ten or something, sure, and anything's possible. But as long as they show some progress throughout the rest of the season, I think they'll be okay with most of those guys. Number two, with with Brian Maurer at the helm, do you think the offense will begin to reach the potential most thought they would have this season, Pat? Well, it seems like they're going to be more likely to reach it than with Jared Garantano, who had played himself into some sort of shell that I still cannot explain. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that anybody's I think, I think Maurer definitely gives them a little bit more upside. Um, but he also he brings a little bit more reward, but he's also going to bring him a little bit more risk, too, because uh, he's a freshman, and, and we saw kind of – uh, he kind of looked a little bit like a freshman in the second half against Georgia a little bit. It'll be up and down, but much many more signs of life, I think, with Maurer at the helm. Third question, a pretty good one. Who would win in a fight, Jawan Jennings or Roman Harrison? I want to see it. I don't know who wins it. I'm going to go with Jawan because of age and because of pure rage. Jawan. I, you know what? I might go with Harrison here because of the weight advantage. Because you're contrarian. No, because of the weight advantage and because – like he, he's just he's a little shorter, so he's lower to the ground. Yeah, he's just if, got. If that, they're boxing, it's Juwan. If they get on the right. ground, it might be Harrison. That's where I, yeah. If it turns into a wrestling match, it's Harrison. Um, that's true. Harrison is a country boy. He's probably he's really he, strong. He's probably had. A, he's probably been in some scraps. And this is a guy who played nose tackle at two hundred thirty pounds in high school. That's that's, that's impressive. I said scraps, Wes. That's a letter Kenny reference. That is a letter Kenny reference. You know, it, but if they had more than one guy in the fight on each side, it would then be a Donnie Brook, which is one of my favorite words. And I can't all. remember when the last scrap was. The, I the, thought that would never come. The English language has so many great words. Donnie Brook might be my absolute favorite. It's a good uh, one. Question from Knox Vol thirty one: Where does Tennessee rank nationally in sacks and quarterback hurries? I can tell you that right now. Uh, Tennessee is ninety seventh nationally in sacks and one hundred twentieth nationally in tackles for loss. So, oh, well, no hurries is the other one yeah uh, or in hurries i don't have that one but that i can one, tell you they're not near the top hurries is a uh, i don't know that one can be hard to find because different schools kind of yeah. gauge hurries differently so i wouldn't put a ton of stock into that but yeah the, the numbers aren't great there's like 130 teams and they're 120th in tackle for loss so that that tells you where they are there they need to get in the backfield they need to do i will say though something. the hurries the hurries number might be better though because i saw there was last week there's a the percentage of pass plays on which tennessee pressures the quarterback is fairly high it's it's one of the tops in the in the sec if not in the country it's, it was around 35 percent going into the georgia game so uh they they do get pressure on the quarterback they just haven't sealed the deal 
quick question again, looking forward to next year's team, what should be the strongest positions and weakest positions? I'm going to go strongest. I'm going to go have a hot take here and say it might be the offensive line. I was going to look at all those guys coming back uh, and the potential of those guys, three, five stars up front with experience. That, that could be a that could be a strong bunch. Uh, and I think cornerback also should be among the strongest positions on the team next exact season. Exact, too, I was going to say. Uh, in terms of weakest, I, I don't know. That's tough to say. We don't know whether they're going to get hit by injuries and things like that. So well, they need some pass rushers. Uh, I think tight for end. Sure. I think for sure. I think tight end could be a weakness next year, possibly. Yeah. You know, they're losing Wood Anderson, and you know that they'll yeah they'll be okay there, but I don't know if they'll be good. So and receiver, we still don't know. Again, we mentioned that earlier, but we'll see what they are next year. There. Last question: Does next year's uh, from this poster, anyways, from from Knox thirty th- Knoxville thirty one? Does next year's team have any chance of developing a pass rush? Yes, it does. I no, just t- touched on that. It's. It's gonna, it may have to come through recruiting to some degree. I mean, Roman Harrison, you need him to take a big jump. You need Crouch, if he's still an outside backer, to take a big jump. It's it's going to be a work in progress. A question from J.E. Brown, 22. Uh, what's the perceived team's mood, motivation going in Mississippi State at home versus last week uh, coming off a blowout loss? Uh, was that a uh, did they get a moral or morale victory for the first half of the uh, from the Georgia game? That's a good Pat West reference there with the moral versus morale victory yeah. argument. Uh, I think that they are a motivated team. Uh, I think that they have some confidence right now. Uh, I, I was telling someone who covers Mississippi State earlier today on radio. I think that Tennessee has as much confidence as a team can have, considering the fact that it's one and four and lost to Georgia State. Uh, so it does have confidence, um, but. Not a ton of it. I think it did make them feel better Saturday night, you know, just being in a game like that against a good team. I think that that is a shot of confidence. So I, I think they will – I will say they, they go into this game with a little more confidence than they had probably coming out of the Florida game. Question here, uh, two-part question from JTEX87. One, do you believe Jeremy Pruitt shaves his head or is it naturally that hairless? Uh, it's a combination of the two. Uh, he, he, he is definitely losing his hair, uh, but, uh, but he also shaves uh, the rest of it. And, and question two, if he does shave his head, is he a disposable razor guy or does he shave with no less than a Gillette Quattro? I'm telling you right now, Jeremy Pruitt is not an expensive razor man. I'm going to tell you that right now. I bet that dude drinks uh, domestic beers and uses regular razors. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Straight edge, probably. Uh, how? You know, another good question. <laughs> Haynes sixty two. How many? How many Craig Fitzgeralds and his staffers would it be required to defeat a silverback gorilla in combat? Oh, uh, well, he doesn't specify in combat, so I would say one. Just get a gun. Uh, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna mix this up Boom. and say hand to hand combat. I'm gonna go with maybe seven or eight silverback gorillas are pretty powerful. If you don't get any weapons. That's going, to be a, that's going to be a tough fight. I like Patrick's answer. Question from Blake Digits. Uh, does Brian Maurer's performance against Georgia make you feel better about Tennessee's chances to beat State on Saturday? Well, it sure does. Simple Absolutely. answer, yes. It 100% does because you got to put points on the board to, uh, to win games, and this guy can put some points on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, question from uh, A-A-O-Main. I can't really. <laughs> A-E-O-M-A-N-E. So however you pronounce that. Um, uh, maybe it's like anomaly of some kind. I don't. I don't know. Regardless, question for this team: overcoming a losing culture has been a pretty big hurdle. Uh, there's a knack for finding ways to lose and not win. What's the natural next step for this team in terms of a winning culture? Win and a game. Where should Pruitt focus his efforts there? They should. They need to win a game. That's just they need. They need to find a way to win. Doesn't they're, matter how. Doesn't have to be pretty. Just win a game. Win somewhere. games, and they're doing the other thing, which is just get fresh faces in there that don't have this baggage. And in terms of where should the efforts be focused there, I can answer that question really quickly. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. Do the little things right and then worry about the big things. Tennessee needs to worry about channeling its focus into each and every single play and to, you know, basically 
learning what your job is, do your job. And if everyone does their job, the very simple things on each play, that's how you start to build winning habits. They don't, they don't get built over time. I mean, they do, they do get built over time because you have to go out there and routinely do little things before you can do big things. Because as we all know, little mistakes make big mistakes. Uh, when Tennessee, until that roster gets stacked again, which God knows when that'll happen, every little thing matters. Uh, final question here uh, from Gaffney VFL 89. Uh, when will there be a basketball podcast? Are y'all waiting on Jaden Springer to commit? Hmm. Very interesting question that. Just stay tuned, Gaffney. Uh, and we and we need to give uh, Vol for Life 94, your wife, shout out. How's that? For listening. Hit refresh on your computer. What? For listening to the podcast for an hour on the ride to the game Saturday. That is very impressive, and we appreciate all those wives who listen, oh, even if Patrick's wife will not. I thought you were talking about my wife, and I was like, wait a minute. She's under very strict orders not to post on the board ever. So I thought I, th- <laughs> I, I was kind of getting nervous there for a second. Like, I'm pretty, I, don't know. I, don't know if our, I don't know if my wife even knows what our website is, uh, what the yeah. URL is. So she's not giving us attention and clicks and sessions, Pat? Why is she not doing that for us? I don't know. Is that because she's a hater? Is that why? <laughs> just, no. She's just a hater. I'm leaving. I'm she done. turned to a hater. I quit. Uh, but yes, Vault for Life 94, we will give your wife a shout out. That lovely woman, I'm quite sure she is. If she's letting you listen to football podcasts on the way to games, then she is, in fact, a lovely woman and you have married well. And we hope she found something in the podcast to enjoy because, you know, we try to bring a little something for everybody. There you go. Last one, fellas. Polly rules. You stop at a gas station, pick up candy at the register. What is it? M&M's. Skittles. Or Hershey's Cookies and Cream. And sorry, Peanut M&M's. Peanut M&M's or Milky Way Midnight. That's mine. Ooh, dark chocolate. I can't do it. What's wrong with you, Ryan? Do we even have time? You know what? No, we're out of time. We don't have time to discuss all the things wrong with you. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. As always, uh, this uh, will be the last podcast you hear from us until uh, either next Monday or breaking news happens. And I got to tell you, got a pretty strong feeling that you're going to hear some breaking news over this weekend. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can find all of us on Twitter at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can find all of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash govals 24-7. And if you want to get your water directly from the hose, you can go to govals 247com Get a year get a year 30% off that's a pretty good deal right there Pat any final thoughts nope